The past is behind. Learn from it. The future is ahead. Prepare for it. The present is here. Live it. Thomas S. Monson. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to the Silver Linux Playcast. As far as I know, it's the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linux Playbook the movie and the Silver Linux Playbook the book. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and I'm, I apologize, I have a mouthful of bologna sandwich. It's probably the most disgusting sounding thing you've ever heard. So, give me one second. Um, we'll, play, we'll play a clip from my favorite uh, movie while, while uh, we finish chewing. It can still be a date if you order raisin bread. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Suicide is painless. Okay, welcome back. I, I should have just finished eating before I did that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, y'all know planning is not my forte or my pianissimo little music joke in there for you hello everybody uh this is late it's gonna be a little short uh but it's better quality than it was was also going to be because i was i was planning on getting this in under the wire and i was i was recording i was going to record directly from my phone but i didn't have any of my worksheets my quote was I don't have my podcasting equipment, Jamie Ward. And then I was just singing the theme song. I started recording for a couple minutes, and then I realized I should probably, I should probably listen to what the audio sounds like when just recorded from my phone, and I wasn't using my headset like I normally do when I do record from my phone. And it sounded like I was an NPR war correspondent. It sounded very muffled, very distant, mechanical. So I opted to do it a little later, and now it's way later. So that was the choice I made this week. It was it was about quality over quality. Um, and by that I mean like sound quality over content quality. We're making it pretty, using a lot of neon special effects. This is the Matrix uh, Revolution, which I believe was the third one i don't know i i talk about the matrix movies way more than i actually watched or fanned over them i like i the first one was amazing uh the fourth one may or may not be amazing i don't know i'm gonna have to rewatch it again my conversations about the matrix matrix memes parodies and the matrix extended universe have been fantastic uh you know i I'm a big fan of, you know what? We're not going to be able to do any, any countdown of the most rated overrated under, I, I said, we were going to knock it all out this week. Here's the thing. I'm back in my personal studio in Georgia. And that list was on a computer that I have, uh, in Louisiana. Uh, the computer is in my car, which is here. 
it was a laptop, but I don't have access to it right now, which is okay because we were not planning on talking about that anyway. Uh, this week we are going to talk about uh, spoilers. We are going to talk about uh, spoiler alert. This one is, I've sort of been, I'm sort of stalling right now because I keep I keep looking at this sandwich this beside me and debating about whether I want to take another bite. I have I have one and a half sandwiches. Um, the I'm going to give you a recipe for it. Uh, and also, I'm very excited because I'm working on a Silver Linings Playbook recipe book. Uh, but um, so here here is is uh, what my recipe is for bologna sandwich. I take two slices of white bread, pre-sliced white bread. I prefer white for this kind of sandwich. Uh, I definitely prefer different kinds of breads for different kinds of sandwiches. I'm not saying white is my favorite sandwich uh, bread, but for bologna cheese sandwich, white, the plainer, the better, the cheaper, the better. This is Kroger brand. Um, sometimes when I'm feeling fancy, I get some wonder bread. Uh, but usually I like the store generic one, tiny thin slices, one sort of fall apart in your hand. Okay. Then, then on one side, you cover the bread uh, on the inside of the sandwich face, the, the, the upside, if, if it's the bottom piece of bread uh, and you're planning on building a sandwich over it, uh, on the top of that piece of bread, you want to cover it in mayonnaise. I usually use a knife. You can use a finger. You can use a spoon. You can use a fork. You can use a spatula. You you could use a, a comb. You could use chopsticks. You could use a butter knife. You could use a paring knife. You could use a chef's knife, one of the hard, the cutting ones, the the, the cutting as opposed to spreading knives. Uh, did I say your fingers? You could use you could use the. Uh, here's the only thing: don't use the other piece of bread. Don't wipe the mayonnaise on the bottom piece of bread with the top piece of bread. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably a dude and you probably feel that instinct in you. Not for this recipe. Just hold back for a second. So what we're going to do next, you're going to use a craft uh, Single or store brand pre-sliced processed American cheese. There's There's some variations. This is the way I like to do it. I place a piece of the cheese, unwrap it first, and then put it on the up mayonnaise upside of the bread so that the condiment is making con contact with the cheese. On top of that piece of cheese, uh, put uh, one or two pieces of bologna, and then here's where you can really customize the sandwich to your liking. If you like cheese, you can put a second slice of cheese on that one or two pieces of bologna. Um, or you can not put another piece of cheese. And then I put yellow mustard, regular yellow. French's is sort of the go-to, uh, restaurant packets. You can, you can go for a Heinz yellow. I like, I like regular plain mustard too. It's not, uh, I, I love spicy mustards. I love honey must not for the sandwich, not for bologna and cheese. All right. Now you're going to want to uh, do the exact opposite thing you did with the mayonnaise with the mustard. Uh, you're probably going to be holding this second piece of bread. So take the, the mustard and spread that over the top piece. 
a symbol at the top of the sandwich, uh, condiment side down, apply a little pressure so that they all line up and think, and voila, you have a bologna sandwich. And I think, I think, I think, uh, this was probably, I don't know, I'm speculating, but in my fan fiction, this is definitely a, a very, it's a very Pat Solitano type of snack. If you think about it, like, right. Why, why does he not really want his mom's crabby snacks or homemade? She's so proud of making them, but I, I feel like he's just a more straightforward kind of guy. Like, you know, like bologna and cheese, uh, is that's, that's running, that's running with uh, a plastic bag around your torso just trying to sweat off the weight sweat off the weight and i and i get the feeling we don't learn about a lot about who nikki is his ex-wife but i just feel like she is not a bologna and cheese kind of gal so maybe that was her problem find somebody who has similar sandwich tastes as you um anyway let's get to what we were going to talk about this week which was the past so um, like I, like I t- told you in the past about this podcast, how I had plans to do a whole separate topic of the podcast, but I've been thinking for the last number of hours about doing that plan and sort of the plan diverged when I pulled out of my driveway this evening and tested the audio and realized this is not the way to do this podcast, Jamie. And I realized that my idea for the podcast six hours earlier uh, would have been the correct course of action if we had the materials. Um, So I was like, no, we need to honor the present by having a podcast about the present. It's about now. It's about giving up, clinging to what, what we thought we wanted, what we thought we needed, what was our only goal in life. And I've watched the movie Pet Cemetery recently on the advice of my friend Nick Cassano, who I've also been having some very interesting conversations with. We got to talk a lot about uh, yesterday, talked about Seattle. We talked about Nirvana. I've been listening to Dave Grohl's audiobook the storyteller, which is great. And, uh, it's about his past. Actually, as I say that I'm feeling dumb because you can sort of reference it's uh, to paraphrase the Mitch Hedberg joke, which was about photographs. I guess every memoir would be about the past. Uh, you couldn't write one about the future, but, um, yeah. So, so it's really interesting. One big fan of Dave Grohl, uh, as a person, as a musician, but also, uh, you know, him getting his sort of his, his big mainstream start with the band Nirvana, which clearly a lot of people love Nirvana. It's hardly, hardly going out on a limb. It's hardly a hipster position to take to be like, I like Nirvana. Maybe a little, it just makes me old now, but I think, I think they're a band that really stands the test of time because I think young people, are continually to continually discovering Nirvana. Uh, I am not basing that on any type of fact. I'm not even actually basing that on anecdotal knowledge because I don't know. I don't hang out with young people. I'm sort of basing that on the fact that Nirvana shirts are still sold at Walmart in young people sizes in 
and sort of the teen boys section. So I'm guessing that there's a market for people, young people, to buy uh, Nirvana shirts. So they're, they're, they got to be still popular. Or I mean, like, it's, it's like you get to discover, you know what's really cool about music too? Do you remember the first time that you heard a song and as you were listening to it, you knew you were going to love that song for a long time? It's amazing. I, w- I want you to think about this experience for a second, all right? I'm, I'm going to use the silliest example, and it's not a good... I'm probably the only person that ever had it. You're going to question my taste in music, but it's, it's true. So I can tell you uh, it's, it's a very um, memorable, impactful memory from my life. So on the Keith, Al- Al- Keith Urban album... Fuse, the, that was one of the first albums I ever uh, got right when it came out. I think I downloaded a, a digital copy, sort of one of those, at midnight, it's coming out, I'm going to listen to it, and I listened to it. The first several notes of the first song, which was somewhere in my car, and I was just, I was hooked. I already knew I wanted to listen, like, I, I was already predisposed to liking him because I was a Keith Urban fan, but it's like the... Um, and like I already felt the music inside inside my soul inside my chest I was like I like this and you know it was so fun because it's like the you're you're anticipating as you listen to music I don't know I would love to hear how everybody else experiences music but for me it's a lot like watching a movie where it's like I'm I enjoy it up until where we are and I sort of am excited and I'm seeing where the song goes, but I also know I can't judge whether I like it or not until the end. And I remember listening to the song and as it was going on, there was that part where I'm mostly focused on where we are in the song. I'm happy about uh, the positive experience I've had hearing the part of the song that's passed, but I'm also excited because I'm like, Ooh, this one's keep going on. There's more. There's more music, and I like it. But I don't know where it's going exactly because I've never heard the song before. I'm learning it in its entirety now. So this might sound so silly, but just think about that experience. When was, when was the last time you heard a song that you knew that you would love for a long time or would mean something to you for a long time, but you remember hearing it the first time but not knowing the song then? Or is that not the way songs hit, hit you? Maybe I am the only one that it, not, not like the only one, but I mean, out of, out of the people that I'm talking to right now that I'm that are, that are listening to this, maybe somebody listens to this podcast, not, not this specific episode, but just this podcast in general. And I think, I think that gives you a little bit better feel because it's like an hour long usually, except some of our shorter ones. This one hopefully will be shorter, but, but do you understand what I'm saying? Where it's like, Hey, I like this episode. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. I hope it keeps going. And sometimes you hit a place in an episode of a podcast, of a TV show. I've, I've been watching. I've been watching Game of Thrones. There's there's one episode where I was watching it. I was watching, it and I love the show. I am so hooked. I am, I am in it to win it right now. We are four seasons in. We started the fourth fourth season. Uh, a spoiler alert, 
Joffrey just died. That was the last thing I want. And we didn't even go on to another episode yet. I have to wait another week to find out what happens. So his, er, I don't know. But anyway, uh, there was one episode I was watching where it's like, oh, I love this. I love this. And then, and then it felt like we got a little off track and I, I didn't love it. Which, which is why it's exciting to watch TV. It's why we don't just watch the first five minutes of a TV show and be like, that was great, and turn it off. You don't know what's going on. You don't know where it's going. Uh, it's interesting because the movie Silver Linings Playbook, I watch, I watch that differently than I listen to music sometimes. Um, I really have to finish. It, it's similar in that I have to finish a movie completely to know whether I like it. Um, I can not like it further. I've, I've definitely gotten to the point in my life where sometimes I can watch them. I like to give it a good shot. Uh, and this is not for every movie, but also I think there's sort of a social contract that films make with us too. I think some movies didn't even try. Some movies are just made for money and I'm not, I'm not criticizing them for that at all. Uh, they're sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're terrible. But some people just make movies to make movies. I mean, in the most literal sense, like they're filmmakers. How do you make your movie uh, make a living? Oh, I just, I churn out another movie for streaming services. Uh, you know, and, and I think they'd be the first one to tell you, like they're not art. If you look up the genre of mockbusters, I think there was a, and I learned all about mockbusters. Did I do an episode on this a couple of years ago? I, I learned about mockbusters. Uh, when I was doing some research on the movie Atlantic Rim, because the movie Pacific Rim had just come out, and then uh, like I saw uh, sort of like a bargain bin streaming movie poster for Atlantic Rim, which <laughs> I'm like, is that a sequel to it? Uh, I did a little research on on Atlantic Rim. I did a little research on, and that's where I learned that it was a mockbuster. And then I looked up the Wikipedia article on mockbusters and what mockbusters are, are movies that are made very cheaply and very quickly. And they're basically betting that they can trick more people to watch it, to, to pay for it in some term than, uh, the cost of making it. Right. So they will name their movies as similarly as they can to other big movies going on at the time. It's not the same as a parody. They're not trying to be funny. They, they are trying to make a buck on those grandmas that are going to buy a, a DVD for their grandkid for their birthday and just messed up. Like, I can't even tell if this is an amazing idea. Like this is comical and hilarious or if this is just a terrible, sad thing that I'm sorry that exists in the world. I don't know. But the fact that it's called Mockbuster and that it's that, and I especially like, uh, I'm going to pause this for a second because I actually want to, <laughs> I want to go into this for a second. I want to look up what is some names of some Mockbusters. So this is so fun. I wish I had done this on purpose, but I think this is one of those things that we sort of discovered by accident. It's so fun. Okay. Uh, these are films, like I said, here's, here's the important distinction. It's not parody. They're, they're not, um, attempting to like be funny or make 
they're not attending to lampoon actual things. They are trying to capitalize on the success of something and basically get a couple bucks from it. Can I don't want to be so so sort of depressing. So so sort of uh, I'm blanking on the word, but it's like it's not necessarily to trick people. Sometimes it's like, hey, you liked this. You liked Batman. How about uh, watching basically a thematically similar film with ripoff characters? It's like the Wish version. So I just found this super fun list. According to IMDb, this is the highest rated movies. This is a countdown uh, to the top top ten of the best mockbusters, according to IMDb's rankings. Number ten is the 2015 film. It's called Avengers Grimm, and my guess is that it's both uh, trying to capitalize on the Avengers um, franchises, the Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, from just the name recognition of using the word Avengers, and then it also apparently has uh, a fairy tale draw because what I'm reading here, Rumpelstiltskin has launched an evil plot and has escaped from the world of fairy tales and has gone into the modern world. When he goes through the magic mirror, uh, Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, and Rapunzel are taken with him. The princesses are forced to battle Rumpelstiltskin and take him back to the fairy tale world. Um, it looks uh, from from the screenshot on this this uh, picture it looks um, I want to say a little cheap a little a little dark a little sci-fi fantasy when I say cheap I'm saying it's sort of like a it looks like a CW show um, it definitely doesn't have the billion billion dollar budget of a blockbuster but it actually doesn't sound terrible either um, I'm saying that as a, it's not like I need to rush out and see this, but it also sounds like a, a film in which, um, like if I was a studio exec, I'd be like, oh, that's that's a that's a decent idea, um, at least for the, the the Hollywood business side of my head. Is definitely like you're playing with some franchises that people like. I say franchises like like fairy tales. That's not, um, but yeah, ten out of ten, not not ten out of ten IMDb score, but the the tenth lowest on this list. Number nine, this is the one that got me into all this. Actually, this is the sequel to the one that got me all into this. The 2018 film Atlantic Rim Resurrection. Uh, Atlantic Rim, again, being the sort of mockbuster ripoff of Pacific Rim. Looks pretty similar. I... Huh. I think I saw... I saw Pacific Rim while I was in the army. I think I saw it. Either. I don't remember when it came out, but it was definitely. I didn't see it under the best circumstances, and I thought it was a lot of fun because uh, it was like a Japanese mech anime live action done with a big budget American CGI. So I remember it was a lot of fun. I thought it was based on. Like I wondered if it was based on a video game or something. Anyway. Uh, Atlantic Rim definitely came out at the same time. Uh, enough, it was the first one was probably, I guess, fine enough to make a sequel from. 
uh, it's definitely one of those where it's like it doesn't look it's not going to look as good as the blockbuster pacific rim but also totally fine too like i think if 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 uh, you had to rent pacific rim for three dollars and this was a 99 cent rental it's worth the 99 cents if you liked pacific i say that not having seen atlantic rim i remember i started it but that's also because i had to see pacific rim and i was wondering i actually just thought maybe it was that and it wasn't okay number eight the co-ed and the zombie stoner uh this i think uh is 2014 and i think instead of actually it was it was just trying to like throw out a movie romantic comedy and uh zombie thing at the same time and stoner films um but apparently sure and that's another thing romantic comedies comedies and horrors there's never enough of any of those so like i guess it was fine um the picture looks ridiculous but it also doesn't look like a terrible idea if that's what you want to say okay number seven ae colon apocalypse earth so there ae is inferring that this is um you know that AE stands for Apocalypse Earth because it's AE colon Apocalypse Earth, a 2013 film, and apparently this came out at the same time or shortly after there was a movie called After Earth. So it was a sort of similar sci-fi. The, the screenshot of it gives it like a sort of Star Trek uh, low-budget movie or TV show episode. As a girl it's all in green paint to look like an alien but that's so that's fine um number six 2017 film troy the odyssey uh this is apparently this was not so much to cash in on troy itself not the movie troy but it was it was when there was a resurgence in historic films what's up Owsley um so they were saying shows like The Crown had come out the movie Selma uh so and and you know people like they never get enough historical films okay number five 2019 film Adventures of Aladdin which is basically I think like a non-Disney version live action of Aladdin when the live action versions of Disney movies were redoing. This is the weird thing now to call this a mock, but like this might just be a low budget version. And, and I say low budget, lower ver- budget or independent. I mean I, I mean, I don't know it's independent, but but I mean, here, this is the thing about this, right? Like, if, you, if you're gonna go with the story of Aladdin, uh, that's actually like a fairy tale mythology story right you have um you have aladdin the disney story version uh but this this and this happens a lot when a disney movie comes out they will try to make versions that are sort of uh, similar okay 1965 no this is number four 1965 village of the giants uh, let's see. This is one of the most popular black, one of the most popular mockbusters 
on IMDb. This film is loosely based on H.G. Wells' story and has become a cult classic. Sci-fi movie group of rebellious teenagers get into a world of trouble when they manage to get their hands on a chemical called goo. Causes them to grow to absolutely enormous size. This looks like a lot of fun because because I feel like movies were already very campy in 1965. Um, so I sort of like these dumb, weird, sci-fi things. We're taking a break from the list because Katie wants to tell me about her favorite mockumentary. Treasures of the Wreck of the Unbelievable, 2017 film, the fake story of art found beneath the depths of the ocean from a 2,000-year-old shipwreck. Damon Hurst Hurst and the crew recount the moments various discoveries are made, the myths and legends surrounding the find. I've never heard of this. So that's the intent. He made it to trick people. Like he, he made it not letting people in on the joke that it's not fake. So it's it, like it's not like. Yeah. 
Yeah. So part of the documentary is the art. It's like he created his own vehicle to display it. So that's pretty cool. That's really brilliant. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really, that's really brilliant. That's what I like having the artists that are like do the conceptual art where it's not just about the piece but like they have an artistic way of presenting it and like that's an incredible concept of Yeah. Yeah. This is, oh, I'm looking at some pictures of some of the art that he Fine, and it's pretty amazing. Um, like it's really, this is very cool. A lot of, uh, most of the reviews seem to like, I think that's where it's getting, why it's getting lower reviews than it deserves because it has people, the people that get it are like, this is very good. And then you have this other uh, band of people who are bringing down the IMDb average by being like, I can't believe it's fake. And I want to be like, you don't get the point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's beautiful. that's sort of like that fantastic uh, when when Banksy had that art sold do you remember that and then the frame like shredded the picture yeah and like yeah sure so like the guy was got to be disappointed but like it's beautiful like if you don't get the fact that the artist owns the art that's that's why it's beautiful the artist owns the art and people think they can buy your art they think they can like place your art in their museum but when the artist has some little method of being like nope it's it is mine. You are only borrowing it. And That's awesome. I want to see this so badly now. Oh, I do like the word chiasmus. Parable.
Something very sad. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry, continue. Analogy? Anagram. hate people that try to review things like that and don't understand it. I'm like, he doesn't deserve to. That, let, let people that, like, if, it's okay if something's not for you. It's like, it, it's like, it's okay. I don't get to enjoy anything. I was listening to my, my favorite screenwriting podcast on the way back yesterday and, um, they get what I'm not proud I, that, I, that's the that's that's how I refer to yeah yeah I don't I don't think I accidentally say it But I always say that. I think I created it accidentally. I don't think I would. I wouldn't have said I created. I don't believe that. I always. That's how. That's how I. Re I refer to it. That's the word I. I've known you for ten years. Yeah. If you go back on these podcasts, they always. Well, then I guess we haven't been talking about previous nights that many times. I say yesterday all the time. I think you just... You... I'm, I'm adorable. I've, oh my goodness, I want to hear... Do you want to... Okay, something I heard on their podcast too, and I'm totally... Because like, it's on their current episode of the podcast, but it's like the sweetest thing I've ever heard, but it also is super sad. They were talking about... Um, uh, Martin Short was being interviewed on TV, and, and the they said that um, the, the interviewer was asking about how he stayed in love with his wife so long because they had been married for like 25 years, and he's just like, it's because I'm so adorable. And they cut back from the break, and the interviewer was like, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize that your wife had passed away five years ago. Um, and they were like, he told me during the break, and I apologize, respect, but they were they were saying Martin Short had like been so classy that he didn't want to embarrass the interviewer but he was talking very carefully so that like he never said anything that wasn't accurate. He said things in like these picking the tense very carefully um, so that he could like honor her in, in giving truthful answers 
without having to pretend like he was ignorant. And it, but it was just like it was super sweet to hear. They were just talking about how he was a wonderful person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay it's running fine okay it's running <laughs> but they also told me that john john snow uh winds up with denarius okay No, this is all that I've learned from the podcast where they were talking. No, okay, you can go back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't. This is my journal. I think I think that's why that meant so much to me when I heard that example of him doing that because I you're you're right when when you point that out um, because I don't want to embarrass people if I if if I want to help them or want to correct them I want to do it in a way that's for them it's not a gotcha thing it's not a like hey I knew you didn't know no it's like hey there's a time and place <laughs> exactly. These are cold outside and rain home. Well, I was I was just singing it to the mic like it's. Is the is the hold on? I got I got to do. Uh, um. <laughs> 
Oh, you know what? Apparently my Facebook memory is three years ago. I made that picture of uh, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper when they were at the piano. And there was, you know, it was like the very memeable shot of them at the uh, Oscars. And then I had, I had photoshopped a piece of cheese on Lady Gaga's face. Because I guess we were doing the cheese thing back then, three years ago. The slice of cheese thing. I know, I remember that. Um, number number two? No, number three, the 2019 movie D-Day. Number two, The Final Level, Escaping Rancala, a 2019 movie that was supposed to be like a Jumanji ripoff, but from this picture, doesn't look like it's for kid. Anyway, and number one, Dauntless, The Battle of Midway, 2019. Spoiler alert, I actually said that earlier because Katie asked me what was number one on the list, and I just told her, so we probably could have stopped at number two. Dauntless, The Battle of Midway. I think because there had been a movie, Midway, that came out, too. The reason it started all this, um, you missed the beginning of the episode that I was recording. Uh, did you know about the movie Pacific Rim, or did you see the movie Pacific Rim? The, the sci-fi mech live-action film? So when that came out, I was trying to uh, stream it or something, because I hadn't seen it. There's a... Uh, there's a movie called Atlantic Rim, which was not released in theaters, but I would... I, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. All right, so the adult content warning is going on this one. It's okay. I know, you do. Go drink your, drink your soup. Drink your, eat your soup. Eat, eat your, go get your soup. I'm not pushing you away. I'm support. Like you're hungry. I'm not. I'm not trying to. Be, you know what I'm doing? I'm trying. I'm trying to help you and and finish the last 14 minutes I have. But I'm also trying to include include you by saying you need your soup. And I'm I'm trying to be so adorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that actually is a good point. There's a timer on it. You want you want to play a trivia game? You watched you you watched the Lord of the Rings movie. The Ho did you watch the Hobbit movies? Oh okay. This is a really terrible article. This is like a waste of space. Like, why did an adult get paid money to write this and go on a... I'm going to read you the title. It's called The Hobbit Characters with the Most and Least Screen Time. Why does anybody want to read that? Like, why? Why is that it? Like, guess what? I bet The Hobbit is the one with the most screen time. Kalina Pierce Bowen. Yes. Wait, okay, there is an article called Bill Murray Explains Why He Passed on Playing Batman. The fact that he was asked to be Batman would have been the most amazing thing ever in the whole world. 
I would have loved a Bill Murray Batman. It's still not too late. I don't care what his age is. I would support a Bill. He was. He passed on the lead role of a Batman movie directed by Ivan Reitman in the 80s. That would have been amazing. I would have loved to have seen that. Dude, I, I love every choice he makes. I, I think... He owns his celebrity in a way that very few entertainers can... Okay. Did you ever look at my picture of Mark Singer? Show you the money. Math Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They definitely have a similar like I, I would I would love to see Matthew McConaughey in more comedy. And not romantic comedy. I would love to see him in, like, Wes Anderson comedy. Like, not not funny. Like, intellectually comical? I did not know he had a family. I don't know why I didn't think he had a family. He's a handsome, charismatic man. Like, of course he has a family, right? But I just didn't know that. Oh, was he hanging out with his parents? That's sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's way too many memes of Matthew McConaughey. No, look up Matthew McConaughey. Or McConaughey. Oh my gosh, am I saying this correctly? Um, Matthew McConaughey. You're close. It's all right. All right. All right. Mm. Oh, Nick Tricana on Twitter. So my mom told the story about how my aunt and uncle ran into a celebrity at a bar and he is just hanging oh my goodness that's really cute he's just that's that's amazing yeah 
Yeah, completely. Yeah. No, I think they both have the... Um... Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Wait, no, that is literally for us to decide. That is everybody's decision. That is the thing we get to decide if people are wholesome or not. Wholesomeness, I think, being our... our popular... It's like the popular vote. Now, how does that tie into I think you know what it is I think we enjoy when we hear we hear so many stories regularly of celebrities being crazy and insane that we get so excited when they do something a normal person does it's like it's it's not a good standard it we should be so inundated with these stories that we're bored but fair is not the world we live in and honest is not the media we have so these things do stand out. Mm-hmm. He loves his mom so much too, and it's funny because like I thought, I thought maybe he was like playing into that, but when I was looking at other books, like his mom wrote a book about him, to like they. I don't mean playing it like I I think he's a sincere person but I at first I thought like maybe he's playing into it but when like he, they, there was all these pictures of them together and it's like it's clear that um, they are like the most important people in each other's experience and that's beautiful. I think that's kind of why he wrote the book, though, too. I think that might be, like, to get a lot of people off his... To be like, hey, you want the story? Here is the story. Like, you're... you're So, like, go read that. Give me a little time to just hang out. Like, you go read the book. You got a question? Go read the book. Like... That's not improv. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that that's a great opportunity to transition. It looks like we have hit the uh, time 
that we needed to for this episode, which is really nice because I was going to cut it really short. But uh, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. Tune in this week and every week as long as I can keep doing this. Hopefully we'll get back on actual Thursdays one day. But uh, until next time, uh, we will see you down the road and Excelsior. And she says, baby, it's 3 a.m. I've been lonely. Um, um, oh, wait, it's still recording. Okay. Bye.